Christ has ascended. We are in that season of, that short season between the Ascension and Pentecost. We're no longer singing Christ has risen. We're no longer singing O Heavenly, we've not been singing O Heavenly King for quite some time. Because that is the hymn of the Holy Spirit. So we are singing this hymn at the beginning of all of our prayers. You ascended in glory, O Christ our God. As an interim introduction to our services. This evening we gather to sing the Maleven to the Most Holy Theotokos, as we do every Wednesday. And I'm beginning a series of uh, podcasts and talks about the life of Mary, based on this book, The Life of the Virgin Mary, the Theotokos. This book is um, over 600 pages long. Yeah, it's a lot, but... A lot of good things. And basically, my plan is to simply read through the book to you, a little bit at a time, giving my own commentary, not based on any superior knowledge I might have of this subject, because I don't, but ways that I feel that we here in our local parish, in our particular context, can apply these spiritual truths to our lives. So about this book... St. Ambrose, Bishop of Milan, wrote that Mary's life is a rule of life for all. Mary's life is a rule of life for all. You know, as Orthodox Christians, and especially as transplanted Christians, so to speak, converts to Orthodoxy, we are constantly trying to figure out this rule of life for our lives. We have so much we bring with us from the Protestant culture, Western culture, secular culture, that's constantly battling with this desire to live a rule of life that's holy and orthodox. So it's just a never-ending battle, and we'll, we'll go to our grave fighting it. Part of that struggle is, is looking at the life of Mary as a rule of life for all. In other words, what can we see in her that can be a rule of life for us all? Mary Theotokos was to become an icon of the renewed church. The following accounts narrated in this book will include all the important events in the life and times of the Virgin Mother, from her conception to her dormition and bodily translation. Each chapter of her dedicated and sublime life will be viewed and treated within the framework of sacred scriptures and holy tradition, patristics and ancient writings, and the liturgical and iconographical traditions of the Holy Church. So one of the reasons this book is so long is it's It's going to go through all the events of the life of Mary, but it's also going to share large amounts of hymnography about Mary, uh, information about iconography, ancient iconography about Mary that helps us understand the feasts involving her, and then a lot of the doctrinal and theological writings about Mary by the fathers. 
So that's why we have so much material here. We shall read about the Virgin Mary as an infant, a toddler. You don't usually think about Mary as a toddler. Like that little Mary there and little Anna, toddlers. Toddler, a young girl growing into early womanhood and her betrothal and motherhood as an adolescent. We shall delve into her family and background and those people and places that shaped her life. We shall peer into her thoughts, pastimes, and activities that were wholly dedicated to God. We shall contemplate her imminent place in the incarnation of the God-man, Jesus. Then we shall follow her perilous and uncomfortable flight into Egypt with the infant Christ, the aged Joseph, and the young James, James, the brother of the Lord. The book includes a map of Egypt designed to help the reader visualize the geographic settings of the cities and places mentioned. And after that, we shall look over the life and routine of a Hebrew mother and her family. At middle age, the concerns and the role of the Theotokos during his son's ministry will be investigated. Then a close study will be made of her thoughts, conversations, and actions during the betrayal, the scourging, the mocking, the death, and the resurrection of her son and God. We shall examine her position and labors in the early church, the book of Acts, and her relationship to her son's disciples and close associates, both male and female. We shall explore where she traveled and the extent of her participation in the spreading of the gospel. On the other hand, we shall also discover how certain of the Jews attempted to slander her fair reputation with clumsy fabrications and even sought to slay her. We shall then touch upon her latter days and then devote our attention to her august repose and bodily translation. So this is, this is what lies ahead. This is going to be really exciting and, and, and educational to learn all of this. Then after this, the book includes a comparative study wherein we shall discuss the Mary, the Theotokos, and the church. Finally, we shall comment on the Theotokos as our mediatress, all within the context of Holy Orthodox tradition. You know, it is important that we, as Orthodox Christians, know and examine the life of the Theotokos, who after Christ Jesus so influenced every creature, both the bodiless ones and the earthborn, before, during, and after her earthly sojourn. In other words, the author is saying, apart from Jesus Christ, no human being has affected humanity more than Mary the Theotokos. So the sources for this book begin with scriptures and ancient writings of the church. 
With the exceptions of St. Paul, all the writers of the New Testament were eyewitnesses to the words and deeds of Christ. Until the Gospels, Epistles, Acts of the Apostles, and the Apocalypse were written, the early Christian community abided by oral tradition. In other words, for a long period of time, the whole church was governed by oral tradition. Not by Gospels or Epistles or anything like that. Oral tradition. St. John Chrysostom, who lived from 354 to 407, writes that this tradition of the church is passed on not only in written documents, but in unwritten form. After the holy apostles were directly instructed by the Lord, they in turn appointed others to perpetuate these traditions. I think one of the handicaps we have as converts to orthodoxy is that most of us don't have a direct living connection to this holy tradition. We don't grow up in communities that can trace their existence back to these holy traditions. Especially growing up, starting a parish from scratch like we did. You, know, you get a lot out of books and you, and you rub shoulders with Orthodox Christians from various places and you learn things, you pick up things. But you don't have a tradition that you can just you know, latch on to and they've been doing it for hundreds of years, and you just start picking it up and doing exactly what they're doing. The ethnic churches have an advantage over us in that regard, in that many ethnic churches, a lot of their ethnicity is built into orthodoxy, and so, and vice versa. And so they, they may not uh, be real good about certain things, but they do have this ongoing tradition that they're hooked up to. Nevertheless, we do the best we can and we try to tap into it. And when we find something, we hold on to it and make it part of our tradition. After the holy apostles were directly instructed by the Lord, they in turn appointed the others to perpetuate these traditions. It would not be until the fourth century Almost, almost 400 years, 300 to 400 years, that the 27 canonical books of the New Testament were officially compiled and distributed in one collection. Thus, for many generations, the Christians lived by the authority of oral tradition and the writings of the early fathers. Although the complete theme of the Theotokos has not been left to us in writing as part of the apostolic preaching, Yet the mystery of Christ's mother was always revealed to the children of the church. The mystery then gradually blossomed in Orthodox tradition, sacred arts, and the hypnography of the church. Some of the earliest holy men whom we have quoted here in, that are quoted in this book are St. Ignatius of Antioch, St. Ignatius was a disciple of the Apostle John, an early bishop and, and, and hieromartyr. St. Justin Martyr, from 100, who lived from 100 to 165. St. Irenaeus of Lyons, reposed in the year 193. And St. Hippolytus, who lived from 170 to 236. 
So this tradition goes all the way back. It's not, not, there's nothing novel or new about any of what we are going to learn. We're digging deep into the history of the church and, and the treasure, treasury chest of the church. <clears throat> this book will present extracts and writings of the great Orthodox hierarchs, confessors, ascetics, and hymnographers concerning the Theotokos and the Ever-Virgin Mary. Their teachings, purity of doctrine, and holiness of life have been lauded by the church. Thus, these doctors of the church are, in a sense, teachers who open up the mysteries of faith. They did not compose the scriptures, but dedicated themselves to their interpretation in homilies, treaties, and hymns to promote and defend the orthodox veneration of the Mother of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Christ has ascended. Amen.